It's that time again, fellers, as Doc Journal presents the Free Parking Show. Just a bunch of country boys who have a lot to say about sports. They invite you to call in, text, or just listen in. So pull up a comfy chair and crack open a beer. It's time to talk sports, chicks, and flicks. Hello and welcome to the Free Parking Show. Tonight we have the Par for Discourse game show for you. Uh, exciting, exciting night we have ahead of us. Uh, we'll get started right now. Um, we have two teams. Uh, they're going to battle, debate about the latest questions in sports uh, from all over the sports world. Um, and we have a special guest with us tonight as well. So let's get right into introducing the teams. The first team... Uh, is made up, of course, of Amos Conway. Everybody knows him from the show. And our special guest, guest uh, Nash Carey, a CEO and leader, all like the, the great leader of the Jock Journal uh, empire. So how are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> oh, doing absolutely wonderful. All right. Do so you guys came up with your own team name? So what's your team name going to be tonight? It is going to be Sean Connery's Cricket Bat. <laughs> Sean Connery's Cricket Bat. Nice. Um, <laughs> all right. And, of course, on the other end, you guys know, everybody listens to the show, knows Peter Diapola and Rich Pyle. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm great. I'm great. How's everyone doing? All right. And what is your guys' team name going to be tonight? This going to be the booming bum. Our team name is the boom. Yeah, the booming buster. The the booming bum busters. <laughs> the booming <laughs> bum busters. All right. It has to be uh, a bum <laughs> has to be in it if Peter's on the team. Uh, almost in our lexicon. Um. All right. So each team picked a punishment. So if they win, the losing team has to fulfill this punishment. Sean Connery's cricket bat. What is your punishment uh, for Rich and Peter if you guys win tonight? I do believe we're going on making them sing I'm a Little Teapot. Is that right, Nash? Uh, I'm a Little Teapot. That's nice. Uh, Nash, you there? I right, might be having some technical difficulties, but we'll get him back here. Um, the booming I'm bum. Sorry. Oh, I, there he I is. Got, I'm in. I, I had, a, I had I, a difficulty with my own sound system. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, it is. I'm a little teapot, short and stout. All right, so I'm a little teapot is the punishment. You guys have to sing it on air. If you guys lose tonight, uh, the booming bum busters, <laughs> what is the punishment that you have for Nash and Amos? If you guys win tonight. If we win, Amos has to say that baseball is America's greatest sport ever invented and that Alex Rodriguez is his favorite baseball uh. player of all time. <laughs> 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 and Nash, oh, you have to say that Pete Carroll was uh, a better head coach in New England than he was in Seattle. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> For anybody who is not in the know, Nash is a diehard uh, Seattle Seahawks fan, so this is going to be interesting. Uh, let's get right into the first question here. Uh, Chuck Pagano and Ryan Gribson kept their jobs in Indianapolis, uh, both of them. Pagano actually signed a four-year contract. Should they have been fired or not, and why do you say so? Peter, you're the first one to answer. All right, well, I think Chuck Pagano deserves to stay because he was handed a team that I thought was, um, after a couple of games into the season, wasn't built to really win the season. And obviously their record shows that. Um, statistically, they didn't do great. But I think Chuck Pagano deserves, deserves a second shot because you got to remember, this guy took over a team that played horrible the year before he got there. Uh, he brought Andrew Luck to the playoffs his first three seasons in the NFL and one year, um, one year back isn't going to do anything to me because, uh, I'm sorry, four seasons. So now, you know, I look at RG3, I'm sorry, I look at, um, I look at the Colts and I think to myself, okay, Stark Pagano should stay. He's done a lot of great things. But then I look at the GM. He should have been fired because some of the pieces he's brought in over the years haven't got the job done. Um, this year they were ranked pretty close to the bottom, if not the bottom, and most statistics like yards per game, points scored, points allowed, points, uh, yards allowed. And that really has to do with the GM. I mean, he brought in some aging uh, free agents and Andre Johnson and Frank Gore to help win games. That didn't work out. And their run defense and their offensive line have always been suspect really since he's been there as a GM. And uh, evidence of that's when the Patriots have played the Colts and gashed them. So I think Pagano deserves to stay, but I thought the GM should have been fired and they should have tried to look for somebody that can actually build a team instead of just throwing in random creations, hoping it'll work. So keep Pagano. Grigson gets the axe. All right, Amos, what do you have to say? Um, we'll start with Ryan Grigson first. I absolutely agree that I think he should be gone. He's had, I think he got hired off of his resume, which looks impressive, but it's more of a right time, right place kind of resume. 1999 to 2003, he was a scout for the St. Louis Rams. They went to two Super Bowls. The first year he was there as a scout, they won a Super Bowl. Did he have anything to do with that? Probably not. And after that, they kind of fell off after they lost the second one. Then he goes to the Eagles, where he was a regional scout. Didn't do much for them, but he went there their Super Bowl year. So I think all of that makes him look like he's a good scout or personnel director, that he knows what he's doing. But he's had like 24 draft picks over the last three years, and I think only six have really panned out to be what they should be. And everyone else has kind of fallen off the map. So, to me, he has not done well drafting or in any way trying to have any kind of effect on that team in a positive manner. And as for Chuck Pagano, I think he should also be gone. Uh, another guy with uh, – the resume looks great. But another thing of right time, right place. He was the Browns and Raiders secondary coach early in his career. Then he goes to North Carolina where he becomes their defensive coordinator – the year he's there, they go 4-8, and eight. so obviously didn't help anything on defense. Went to the Ravens as a secondary coach again, gets the D.C. job in 2011, and basically gets hired by the Colts off that one year. I don't think he deserves it. I don't think he should be there. I think the effect of Andrew Luck being there and knowing that he has the potential to be a great quarterback if he stops throwing 50-50 balls, I think that's what's going to keep Pagano there. All right, Uh both great answers, uh, but Amos is going to get the edge since he knows Pagano and Grigson's entire resume, uh, so he's going to get the edge in the point for the first question. Uh, moving on to the second question. Good job, question. Amos. That was great. 
All right. Uh, moving on to the second question here. <laughs> We're going to switch lanes from football into got, golf. Hold on. Before we, before we continue, before we continue, who got the point? Because it is very disordered on my end. I'm having trouble hearing anything. Oh, no. Uh, Nash and Amos, uh, team Sean Connery's cricket bat, uh, got the point. Uh, we're gonna switch uh, okay. switch lanes like here. I said, it's all distorted on my end. We're gonna switch lanes here from football into golf. Uh, who completes the, the Grand Slam first between uh, uh, Phil Mickelson, uh, Rory McIlroy, or Jordan Spieth? Uh, Rich, you're gonna have the answer first. Who? Oh, me. Uh, when when you're talking about golf in general, I'm going to use the process. I, I thought about this one when we had to switch this question. When you're talking about golf, you've got to use the process of elimination. Phil Mickelson's the oldest, which I still think eventually maybe he'll get his career grand slam. But you've got to throw his name out there because it hasn't happened in, in so long now. Uh, Jordan Spieth was the, the hottest golfer on tour last year, followed by Jason Day. He's not even in the competition. Rory probably would have gotten his uh, one of the Masters last year had it not been for Jordan Spieth going wire to wire. If I was a betting man, you know, the Masters come up first and Rory needs, needs the Masters to complete the Grand Slam. I, I don't think that it's going to be interesting to see how Jordan reacts to defending that championship or the, the Masters uh, in general. But they've got their first tournament of the weekend. I think Roy will probably get the Grand Slam before Jordan does. Roy only needs the Masters, and Jordan still needs the Open Championship and the PGA Championship. So by process of elimination, Roy needs one. The other guys need or Jordan needs two. Phil needs one, but he's like 45 now, I think. So I'm going to have to give the edge to, to Roy on this one. All right, Nash. Well, it's a very good question, and ultimately I have to go back to the thought that the Grand Slam tournament is probably not one of those that we might actually ever see happen again. It's it's become so different, differing in the abilities of the particular courses. you got everything from the Masters to U.S. Open, U.S. Open Championship and the PGA Championship. All these courses are so vastly different that they play to each one of these players' um, skill levels and and abilities so so differently. However, as far as the best complete package and the one who has the ability to probably do it because they haven't even reached their peak yet but has been so utterly phenomenal last year would have to be Jordan Spieth. This man is just on fire. He has the composure and the just that ice-cold stare that nobody would ever, ever imagine of somebody only 21 years old. Plus, he has... A complete game. He has a short game, a long game, and really good at keeping it on the greens. He is probably the next Tiger Woods at this point. And if there is ever going to be a thing, it'll be Jordan Spieth. Well, hopefully uh, Jordan Spieth can keep out of the trouble that Tiger Woods found himself in. Uh, Both great points, but I'm going to give the point to Nash on this one. Uh, The knowledge of the courses there, that that was impressive. So Nash and Amos are going up 2 nothing over the, the booming bomb busters. Let's see if you can turn it around mm. here, Peter. Next question, we're going into the NBA here. Uh, Steph Curry has been on this amazing run with the Golden State Warriors. Um, 
you know, looking to to take over that 95-96 Bulls team's record uh, for most wins in a season. Do you think right now in the NBA that Steph Curry is the best player, Amos? Uh, no, do I think he has the best court presence when he's out there on the court. Do I think he's the best player? No. Actually, my number one guy right now for this season would probably shock a lot of people, and it's going to be Russell Westbrook. Out of the you know four major categories, he is in at least three of them. 25.3 points per game, 9.5 assists per game, leads the league in 2.5 steals per game. Seth Curry's averaging 29.3 points per game, and he's got two steals per game. I think when he's on the court, I think what he can do is he puts a fear into the defense, and I think that helps out tremendously. But overall, as a player, the best player right now, especially when it comes down to point guards, I think it's got to be Russell Westbrook with the stats he is helping his team out all over the field rather than just being the guy who has to put the weight on his shoulders to carry his team, and that makes him look that much better when he does. I I think it's Russell Westbrook right now, but when it comes to so, like I said, just court presence, I would give it to Curry. But an overall player for, you know, as a single part of that team, to me it's got to be Russell Westbrook. Westbrook is a surprising answer, but you did have some good stats there. Uh, what do you have to say, Peter? I've got to give it to Steph. i got to give it to Steph Curry. He's still the hottest player in the NBA right now, in my opinion. And he's coming off of an NBA championship where I kind of feel like some people – felt like maybe Golden State shouldn't have won it. You know, I know people that are basketball fans, and they say, well, you know, if LeBron had all these players around him, they probably would have won. So I think Curry's trying to go out there on a mission to repeat his champions to kind of silence his critics, silence critics of the Golden State Warriors um, winning the championship <clears throat> last season. And you look at Curry's numbers, they speak for themselves. I mean, the guy, the guy is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and I pulled up his statistics. The guy is, right now, he's leading the NBA in scoring. Um... He's got 20, 20, averaging 29.3 points a game. His field goal percentage is just over 500. Um, he's making all, all, over almost four, almost 450 of his, uh, sorry, 0.45 of his shot, three points, three points is over. He's making those. His three throws, he's making a phenomenal amount, nine, um, sorry, 900%. And then you look at the you look at the Golden State Warriors. Their record speaks for itself, and I think that the Golden State Warriors will be hosting the championship uh, championship title once again. This sorry, once this season is over yet again, the Warriors are thirty three and two. Um, I don't see them losing more than six or seven games this season at the rate they're going. Uh, very stat heavy answers from both of you. Uh, liking that, Peter gets the edge in that one. Both great answers, though. Uh, moving in to our fourth question. As long as there has been football, there have been great nicknames for the players in the game. What is the greatest football nickname of all time? Rich, you have the first answer here. Or Nash, excuse me, has the first answer here. Well, we've all seen Chris Berman with his little answers and how he's able to throw any nickname into anybody's name. I was marveled at his ability through the 90s at just sitting there on my floor watching ESPN right after the NFL games. But there is one that precedes even that one that personifies his name so well that only 
you will remember him for the nickname. It's actually difficult to remember what his actual name really is. We know him as The Fridge. The Fridge was not only a defensive tackle at 390 pounds, a really good stopgap, but he was also a pass rusher as well as a ball carrier and led Chicago to a championship, helping as a fullback right out of the backfield, taking a handoff from Jim McMahon. Who wants to try to bring down a 380-pound man who can run a 4740? Nobody. That's why you're called a refrigerator. Nobody could tackle a refrigerator. You can't even move a refrigerator because that's who he is. William, the refrigerator, Perry. Great answer. All right, Rich, what do you have to say? Uh, for me, it's Sion Primetime Sanders. One of the best defensive black fat blacks. One of the best defensive backs to play the game. The way he celebrated, you know, with his little dance all the way to the end zone. <laughs> Pick six. You can't top that, man. It's prime time. He is arguably still one of the great, I guess, one of the greatest corners to ever play this game. The prime celebration was all for show. Perfect fit for the perfect name. Man, this is a tough one because you guys get both picked great nicknames, great players. Uh, I'm going to have to say just the originality of the fridge. It's just such an original nickname, such a great nickname. Uh, so Nash is going to get the edge there. Um, one more question before we hit the commercial break here. Uh, Rajon Rondo, of course, everybody knows about the offensive uh, gay slur that he used when arguing with referee Bill Kennedy uh, and... Uh, who ended up actually being uh, a gay man, and now he's might be on his way to the All Star game. Uh, is Rondo worth the the on the court and off the court baggage, Peter? Absolutely not. Um, this guy has just been—he's been absolutely ridiculous. And on the top of using that slur, I believe he um, tried kicking Deron Williams during a game not not so long ago. This. Guy just, uh, I just don't even know where to begin with him. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a Celtics fan, and um, when when they traded him, I was uh, I was kind of surprised. But now I look back at that, and I think to myself, you know, they were better off getting rid of him because of this on on the court stuff. You can't have a guy out there who is talented as him cursing out referees, trying to trying to kick players because that's how you get suspended, and that's how your team suffers. Rondo needs to learn to think about the team first before himself, and that's something he just hasn't seen to do this season. And you know what? Rondo's just not worth the trouble, and if I was an NBA GM or head coach, I would not want him on my team, period. All right. Strong opinion from Peter. Uh, Amos, what do you say? Uh, yeah, I actually absolutely do think that he's worth it. Uh, I'm not a big basketball guy, but I do watch it, and over the years I've seen Rajon Rondo – and the playoffs, year after year after year, at some point he's going to come up with a clutch shot, something that his team needs in the postseason to either get them another game or to get them in overtime or to give them a chance. With the right coach, the right GM, the right team, someone can absolutely straighten out Rondo. You see it happen in the NFL all the time with players who have character issues or whatever go to another team with the right organization, the right people in place to kind of help him grow and mature as a player and as a man and I think with Rondo that's something that absolutely could happen he's always on top of the stat leaderboards for an assist so you know he's a team player he spreads that ball I remember the shot a few years back where 
he shot the three over LeBron's head to put it into overtime to help the Celtics. And I mean, he, he's a he, when he's on the field and he's worried about the game, he's a great player. He just needs people around him to help keep from or keep the distractions away from him. That way, he keeps his focus on basketball and basketball only. But yeah, I think he's absolutely worth the baggage that may or may not come with him. All right, that one points going to go to Peter bringing up the kick uh, and the, the previous uh, things that he's been in trouble for without mentioning the, the Bill Kennedy thing. So did your research there, Peter. Uh, all right, we're going to head into our first commercial break. Real quick score update. Uh, Sean Connery's cricket bat is leading 3-2 to two over the, the booming bum busters. Uh, we'll be right back, folks. Well, the boys are talking, and the show is really moving along. But we need to take a break before a fight breaks out. People end up in the hospital. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back now, you hear? How would you love to generate a great income from the comfort of your home? Well, now you can. This amazing money-making home-based business is designed to give you time and freedom. Would your life change if you made $10,000 within 21 days and $20,000 plus every month thereafter? Sounds amazing, right? Anyone can do it, even you. Call 800-704-8681 and let their expert staff tell you all about this brand new business opportunity. Why wait? You have nothing to lose. We have the tools, training, resources, and community to help anyone get on the fast track to success. Call 800-704-8681. That's 800-704-8681. It's the easiest, most powerful home-based money-making system on the web. Call today and change your life. Seven cars for kids. K A R S cars for kids. One eight seven seven cars for kids. Donate your car today. Also on the web at carsforkids.com. That's cars with a K. We're a recognized 501c3 charity organization, so you'll receive a maximum tax deduction. What's more, you'll receive a free vacation voucher of three days and two nights. One eight seven seven cars for kids. K-A-R-S, Cars for Kids, one eight seven seven cars for kids donate your car today. Are you looking for the web's best sports news? Visit jockjournal.com. Sports media has lost its touch. It seems that journalists are scared to report what they see for fear of losing access to the teams they cover. At jockjournal.com, you get inside info on the entire NFL community without all the politics or fears other writers have. That's jockjournal.com. When you need the NFL sports news, information, opinions, fantasy, football, or discussions, there's only one place to to go and it's jockjournal.com okay the boys have settled down one has a beard in and the other has a steak on his eye well, why don't you give them a call and tell them what you think all right we're back from the commercial break you're listening to the free parking show here on jock journal radio the par for discourse uh game show let's get right back into it guys um 
the seventh question of the show here. Pete Rose was not reinstated or not instated into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, he got v- voted one. out. Was it we the right? One. Oh, all right. We'll get back to it. Was it the right? Skip number six. Uh, we'll go to six then. Sorry, I did skip one. Uh, who in the the March Madness is still? You know, we got <laughs> two months until March Madness comes up. Uh, who is your way too early favorite in the bracket? Uh, Rich, who are you going to pick? Like you said it, way too early. Uh, I'm gonna, I actually got two of them. I'm going to pick the safe bet, and then I've got my sleeper pick. The safe bet is Kansas. They're leading everyone statistically in scoring offense and scoring defense. Uh, UNT is going to be my sleeper pick because – they are leading the entire nation in total points accumulated. And like I said, it's way too early, but I think UNC's got the, the upfront uh, defense. They, they, can, they can bang the boards. They got the, the quick backcourt. Kansas, on the other hand, you know, they're, they're always in line for a national title. So my safe pick would be Kansas, and my sleeper pick would be UNC. All right, and Nash. Okay, guys, we saw how dominant last year Kentucky was, right? It was amazing. It was a great run. However, you know, falling short, the Kentucky finished two wins shy of its 40 and zero goal in 2014, falling to Wisconsin in the national semifinal. It was a painful ending for the Wildcats and the members of the Blue Nation, but with a returning solid nucleus and more high-profile recruits on the way, the University of Kentucky should contend for a crown again in 2015 16 i say they're going to take it incoming shooting guard charles matthews he 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 believes that not only are they going to contend they're going to take it all in fact he he tweeted on it and when it's on twitter we all know that it's the truth so we can all take it to the bank that today (laughs) right now we can go all the way to vegas at those seven to one odds and post our money and say hello kentucky welcome to national champions all right. Uh, I'm, great answer, Nash, there. But I'm going to go with Rich's answer. I uh, really like the way the Kansas has been playing. And, and I like the sleeper oh. pick, too. I thought that was a good one. So that knots it up, guys, at three apiece here. And now we'll get to the Pete Rose question, now that I have the right order. <laughs> All right, so Pete Rose, uh, they voted on it. He's not going to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, it's been a long time now. Uh, he's been fighting for this. It's a long time since he retired. Was this the right move, or is it time to let Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, Amos? Uh, no, I, I think it's absolutely the right move. There's been I've heard a lot of stuff, and I, I understand that he comes out and he says he's remorseful. He wishes he would have done things differently, or he wouldn't have done it at all. But I think the thing people don't realize, and people close to Pete Rose have even come out and said, behind closed doors, he still finds that he has done nothing wrong to hurt the integrity of the game by, you know, well, I never voted, or excuse me, I never betted against the Cincinnati Reds. Well, when you go in there and you're betting all the time, you're betting on the Reds. When you don't go in there to bet on the Reds, what does everyone else do who's used to you doing that? They all bet against the Reds. And I think that can equally as damaging because it opens up a whole flare of doors of, you know, he was giving inside information or whatever or never gave opinions. But from what I can hear or from what I 
read from what I see is behind closed doors, Pete Rose is not remorseful at all for what he's thinks he has or hasn't done to the game of baseball, which I think he's damaged it by doing that. There's a lot of stuff that happens with that betting. I mean, there's a lot of cuts and corners that people take with it. And especially for a guy like Pete Rose, you can't do that. You, I mean, you should know better. I understand he's the all-time what, hit leader or something, and I think eventually he will get in there, but I think it needs to be something that when you his friends talk about it, about Pete Rose, that they need to say that, yeah, he's extremely remorseful about what he's done. Not He still doesn't find anything wrong with what he did. All right, Amos standing with the high moral values there. What do you have to say, Peter? I agree. He shouldn't be in, and I don't think he should ever be reinstated for a number of reasons. One, when you're betting, and you know, obviously there was no true clear indication that he had bet against the Reds. Although, if he did, you, it makes it would make me wonder and ponder: Did he bet against the Reds and throw games? Would he have pulled a pitcher or kept him in too long? In order to uh, throw a game and try to you know try to win a bet, because when you're if you're betting that much and you have a gambling problem that you're betting on your own team, you might bet against the fight against them. If you're losing money for losing games, you might say, okay, fine, I'll throw a game, make some of that money back. Because I I live outside of Vegas, I know how real gamblers work. You know, they go to the casinos, they'll go down, they'll go up. Now, obviously. Sports betting and, and gambling at the tables are completely different, but Pete Rose clearly has an issue. Clearly had an issue with gambling. It let, I think it probably got in the way of some of his managing. Uh, you know, I understand that he was one of the greatest players of all time, but we can't forget about this gambling situation. Plus, he also got in trouble. You know, I know tax evasion. He got in trouble for, for that too. This guy clearly has issues with authority or following the law. And if you're not going to do that, um, you should be in the whole thing because we talk about guys on steroids. You know, steroids are illegal and even before, I believe they were banned in the uh, in major league. You got to remember that stuff is illegal. The federal government can charge people with uh, with, with with felonies. So if you can get charged with a felony and not make it in um, for doing steroids, you should also get the same treatment for tax evasion and also get illegal gambling because that's that's a crime. And you should be allowed in the hall of fame for that same reason. We can't we can't give some guys passes and others not. I don't care, I don't care how great you are at the sport. If you do something as shady as that. And then lie about it, and then you get caught. You don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame at all. And frankly, I hope he never gets reinstated. I hope he never does, even after his death. Wow, absolutely no love uh, for Pete Rose here. But I'm going to go with Amos in this one, uh, just because, Peter, he said there about uh, it's illegal. But if we didn't allow guys in just because they did something illegal, uh, I mean, there would be nobody in the NFL Hall of Fame just about. So uh, I like both points, but... (laughs) Peter, you got you got a little too strict on me there. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next question here. Uh, he up. Oh. <laughs> moving on to the next question here. Uh, the NFL season has come to a close, and the Tennessee Titans, my Tennessee Titans, finish at the the bottom, the clear bottom. So they are officially on the clock. Assuming that they do not trade back, you know, which is a possibility, but assuming that they won't trade back. Who should they take off the top of the board? Nash, you're the first one to answer this question. Oh, that's a very easy choice for me because at this point we can't determine who the coach is going to be. And when you don't know who the coach is going to be, you don't know who's going to fit what system, so you have to go with what is the number one player in the draft, the most overall well-rounded player. And to me, that's Joey Bossa. 
Um, he, he from Ohio State has the ability of possibly being yet another J.J. Watt. He's big, he, he's strong, he's fast. He gets off the line pretty quickly. Sometimes he doesn't have that, that good movement left to the right like he should. But, you know, without knowing what defensive scheme Texas, uh, Tennessee will be using next season and due to the impending turnovers of the Titans coaching staff, it, you know, it doesn't really matter with Bossa. You've got a plug-and-play guy who's not going to need a whole lot of extra, like, scheming or, or developing around him, and he is going to be a perennial Hall of Famer, maybe even a, a, perennial, a pro baller, maybe even a perennial Hall of Famer all the way to the end. Wow, now strong words for the Buckeye. All right, Rich, who do you think the Titans should take? Are you there, Rich? All right, Peter, can you jump on this one? Because uh, I think we lost Rich. I would take Joey as well. Like Nash said, you you can't really plan around without knowing who the coach is going to be. And Tennessee needs a lot of help, um, both rushing the passer and amongst other <clears throat> other positions. But when you play in a division with the talented quarterback and Andrew Luck, and I think Blake Bortles is up and coming in. If I'm not mistaken, he was second in touchdown pass in the NFL. You need to get a you need to get a guy that can get after the quarterback and also stop the run. Um, and because other teams in that division, you look at you look at Houston, they're a defensive bully and help them get into the playoffs with an offense that was open down. So with the Titans, you need, in my opinion, you need a great defensive line, and a great offensive line in order to be successful in the NFL, or you know at least a good one, because you need to protect your quarterback and then you need to get after the opposing quarterback because just because you protect yours doesn't mean you can't go after the other guy because you might get in a shootout and if you can't get the other quarterback or even stop the run you're going to be in trouble so I think that makes a lot of sense um I'm a little bit worried about Ohio State players being taken behind the draft because of some of their um some of their careers that we've seen in the NFL I think Ted Ginn Jr. is probably the most probably the most infamous one if I can think of one being taken behind the draft who didn't live up to his potential but I think Joey Vasa is going to be a very talented an NFL player. Urban Meyer knows how to develop guys that go to the NFL and play good football. Um, unfortunately, probably the best one he ever helped develop was Aaron Hernandez. We all know what happened with him. Um, definitely unfortunate with that, but Urban Meyer knows what he's doing. He's a great coach, and I think that would make the most sense for Tennessee at this time. Now, of course, if they hire, if they hire guys like Josh McDaniels or Chip Kelly, they'll probably go offense first because of their offensive pedigree from their teams and also from college for Chip Kelly. I both great points there. Uh, I wanted to give you the point, Peter, for stepping up and taking the question that wasn't yours, uh, but Nash just had the better answer there. So Nash, name us Sean Connery's cricket bat, uh, getting the point. Um, moving on to the next question, we're going to go to the NHL here. Uh, John Scott of the Arizona Coyotes not only made the All-Star game, but will be a captain. Uh, despite only only having 11 career points, five career goals, a largely unknown player in this league, is this proof that the fan vote is not working for all-star games and that they should go back uh, to the old ways of the media taking the votes? Uh, Peter, what do you think? Um, you know what? Yes, I do. Because I didn't know who this guy was either. And then I pulled up his career statistics, and I was like, how in the hell is this guy an all-star or even a captain. Um, and so I did some research online today, and I found this article from USA Today, and it's about how, I guess, there was a joke that they should be, um, it was right after 
It says right. It says an article right after the new three and three four format for the game was announced. Yahoo's Greg Wojcinski mentioned his very popular podcast. How fun it would be to see Scott in the game. Um, and this is from again. This is a USA article um, for the win by Hemnel Jaharvi. I'm, I'm just trying to. I just want to give him a shout out for his article using it as a reference here. Um, when you consider this guy leads the or he has 542 penalty minutes. Um, throughout the course of his career and just 11 points, you look, you look at a guy like that and you think to yourself, how is he an all-star? Um, maybe, you know, with all those penalty minutes, maybe people, people will hope there's a, a fight and then he'll be involved. Obviously, he's a penalized player. But the media really should be voting, I think, because in the, in the not just the NHL. I think almost any sport, they need to bring back the media votes because it's just, it's just fans voting for their favorite players. Um, you know, we see a lot of snubs across all sports. I'm not that well-versed in hockey, but... I know enough when I look at a guy's career stats like that. He shouldn't be in the All-Star game or even be a captain, period. He shouldn't be a captain of any team with his horrendous uh, career, in my opinion. All right. Uh, Amos, what do you have to say? All right, so I'm going to say this about all All-Star games. Anymore, it's almost like it's just a novelty game. <clears throat> it's something where you go, you do it, and it's something you tell your friends after you retire or your family, like, yeah, hey, I was there, I did it, and look at this cool jersey I got. John Scott on the season has 542 penalty minutes or and like 11 points or something around there. And I just I, I think them bringing a goon like him, making him a captain because Jaeger's the other captain, I think it just is making <laughs> – the games look a little funner as far as giving it back to the media. No, as far as letting the fans still continue to do it. I think that's also a no. I think that the coaches should get together and talk about this because who knows the players better than the coaches who coach them. I think that that's a group that needs to get together and decide on who the all-star game is because other than that, it is, it's just a novelty game. I, it's it kind of blows my mind the way it operates because the NBA the same way with trying to get Kobe Bryant in there just because he's been around a long time and he's done good things for the game that in the game's done good things for him. Both great answers, Amos. You had me for a second when you used the include the word goon. I like that, uh, but then you called Yammer Yager Yammer Yeager, uh, so that that lost it for me. Uh, Peter is going to end up getting the point there. <laughs> Uh, moving on yeah. to the- <laughs> All right, moving on to the next question here. In 2015, Serena Williams was named Female Athlete of the Year uh, for the fourth time in her career, uh, her very storied career. Is this, uh, you know, this, you know, we've seen everything that she's done throughout her career. Is she the best female athlete of all time? And if not, who? Rich, uh, are you there to take this question? Uh, do you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay. Uh, Serena Williams, the greatest female athlete of all time. I'm going to say no. Uh, that's not taking anything away from her storied career. But if you're going to be considered the best female athlete of all time, you've got to be able to say you're the best ever in your sport. Uh, I did, did dug up my research on this one. Uh, two ladies by the name of Margaret Court and Steffi Graf are still ahead of her in Grand Slam titles. It's it's just like golf. To be the best, you got to beat the best, and you got to. I mean, we all know Tiger will never have her pass Jack. I, you know, I think eventually uh, Serena will pass these two ladies. But as of right now, I'm gonna say no. Uh, what was I gonna say? Oh, and also. Uh, 
Jesse Graff, the higher percentage of Serena Williams from uh, her winning percentage is 88.6 and Serena Williams is 86.7. So I don't think she's the greatest athlete ever, but she is the greatest athlete today. If I was going to take the greatest female athlete of all time, it would probably be the great uh, Jackie Joyner Kirsty, who basically demolished all the Olympic, uh, all the dominated her Olympic career, probably one of the very own female runners that we have seen do that or whatever. So that that's who I would say is the uh, greatest female athlete ever. Rich, not only name-dropping all the ladies, but bringing up the stats too. I'm loving it. Nash, what do you have to say? Well, I'm not going to take anything away from Serena Williams' wonderful career. I have to agree with Rich on one point that she is not the greatest female athlete of all time. And I know that what I'm about to say is going to be reached with some controversy, especially with the fact that the last time she competed, she did not win. But the greatest female athlete of all time is one who not only revolutionized her sport, but essentially put it on the map and created it. And that's Ronda Rousey. This woman has been nothing but dominant since the moment she stepped into the ring. She did everything like every freaking athlete ever should. She completely destroyed each opponent and did so in such a quick fashion that it only left people wanting more. She's revolutionized not only just MMA altogether, but she's become a household name not only in America but across the world. In fact, get this, right? ESPNW, which is for women's sports, actually had a fan poll in which they named her the best female athlete ever over Serena Williams. I don't know how we can't put the best female athlete on a, on a shelf somewhere without putting Ronda Rousey on top. Wow, both great answers. And uh, Ronda Rousey, definitely a newer age uh, in this. This is a tough one. You both had really great answers here. I'm going to lean uh, towards Rich just because I love the I love the stat drop and he knew the percentages uh, wow. win percentages for both of them. But both great answers there, man. Really great answers in that one. So we're gonna move on to back to college basketball. Talk some more here. Uh, you know we're in in college basketball. We are in the age of the one and done player. Uh, you know they come and do their one year and then move on to the NBA. Um, obviously, you know this has an effect on the NCAA um, and their ability to keep great players. Is this bad for the game? Uh, And would you like to see the minimum age increased or possibly decreased and go back to when high school players were allowed to enter uh, like we've seen several guys do? Amos, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to be completely honest on this one. I think they should just decrease it because I think at the end of the day, this comes back to the argument of the NCAA should have to pay their players because that's what's happening when these great high school basketball players come out. They only stay for a year, but they garner so much attention and national, you know, television ratings and everything. The NCAA makes so much money off these guys who just want to go to the NBA. Some of them, yes, they're there to get the full ride, the four years of education. Some of them want to just go and do what they love to do, which is play basketball and they want to play it in the nba college championships are nice but world championships are better i think you decrease the age you get them in there the ncaa is just going to have to kind of swallow its pride 
and take that little bit of a hit on that money that they already make off of every other college sport because I think it's wrong. I think it's unfair to the athletes. All right. Um, and Peter, what do you have to say on this? I like Amos's point, especially about making money off of off of the players. I think it is wrong that the NCAA, I think they kind of, uh, I don't want to say use their players for ratings, but they do. Um, and when you look at NCAA basketball, it is a very popular sport, but you got to think about it. It's not like college football where you already know the powerhouses are going to be. In basketball, yes, there are the powerhouses, but there are so many teams in college basketball, it's a 64-team tournament that, you know, not you're not going to always need the biggest name player in your team to to gain attention because you're going to have your school fans cheering you on the entire time. Um, people are always going to pay attention to college basketball. It's not going to ruin it if they if they increase it, but or decrease it. And I think they should decrease it because if somebody let's say somebody's just going to go to college for a year and then go to the NBA, to me it's not fair for a school to pay a, a scholarship to somebody that's going to go let's say for a full year and then have them turn around and then leave. And that scholarship could be used for another athlete. So if, I, if I'm coming out of high school and I know I'm going to go right to the NBA and I think I could be great, you know, by me not going to college for a year, that scholarship could go to another athlete who maybe needs all four years to develop as a player and go to maybe play in the NBA, the NFL, another or another uh, another major league sport such as baseball or maybe even soccer. And I think it is an injustice that these kids are forced to go to college for a year. I used to think it was opposite, but now that I've watched college basketball enough, if kids want to come out of high school to play in the NBA, they should be able to look at Kobe Bryant, look at LeBron James, and their careers speak for themselves. If you want to, if you want to talk about high school players coming out and doing well, those two right there are the top of my board. I, I like them. I like the answers here, Peter. I love the fact that you brought up. You know, you can uh, other guys could use these scholarships, and and that's going to be enough to get you the point here. We're going to head into the commercial break. The current score is Sean Connery's cricket bat at five. And the Booming Bum Busters moving their way up to six and taking the lead. Uh, quick commercial break here, and we will be right back uh, with more of the Pardis Four Discourse uh, game show. Well, the boys are talking, and the show is really moving along. But we need to take a break before a fight breaks out. People end up in the hospital. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back now, you hear that boy is good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. How would you love to generate a great income from the comfort of your home? Well, now you can. This amazing money-making home-based business is designed to give you time and freedom. Would your life change if you made $10,000 within 21 days and $20,000 plus every month thereafter? Sounds amazing, right? Anyone can do it, even you. Call 800-704-8681 and let their expert staff tell you all about this brand new business opportunity. Why wait? You have nothing to lose. We have the tools, training, resources, and community to help anyone get on the fast track to success. Call 800-704-8681. That's 800-704-8681. It's the easiest, most powerful home-based money-making system on the web. Call today and change your life. Kids, donate your car today. 
1877 cars for kids. K A R S cars for kids. 1877 cars for kids. Donate your car today. Also on the web at carsforkids.com. That's cars with a K. We're a recognized 501c3 charity organization, so you'll receive a maximum tax deduction. What's more, you'll receive a free vacation voucher of three days and two nights. 1877 Cars for Kids. K-A-R-S Cars for Kids. 1877 Cars for Kids. Donate your car today. Are you looking for the web's best sports news? Visit jockjournal.com. Sports media has lost its touch. It seems that journalists are scared to report what they see for fear of losing access to the teams they cover. At jockjournal.com, you get inside info on the entire NFL community without all the politics or fears other writers have. That's jockjournal.com. When you need the NFL sports news, information, opinions, fantasy, football, or discussions, there's only one place to to go and it's jockjournal.com okay the boys have settled down one has a beard in and the other has a steak on his eye well, why don't you give them a call and tell them what you think all right we're back here on the free parking show part of for discourse game show i I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. We're back, and we're going to head into the final question here, the finale, which is worth three points. Uh, very critical for the win here. All right, in the booming bomb busters, you guys uh, are leading right now, so you get to choose. Do you want to answer first or second in the finale question? Come to you, Peter. What do you we'll want to do? First. All right, they're going to we'll take first. They're going to answer first here. The finale question, all four guys will answer. It's worth three points. Whoever gets this one gets the win. Uh, Paul Feinbaum of uh, the uh, SEC Network recently stated on his show that if Nick Saban and Alabama win the national championship this year, then you can say that Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time. Do you agree or disagree with this? Peter, you can start out the answering here. Uh, I'm going to have to agree, and he's if he wins the national championship this year, he'll tie Bear Bryant five, and Bear Bryant won all five with Alabama. Um, Nick Saban has won. He's won. Um, I'm sorry. Well, he's actually he's yeah he is four. So he won with LSU in 2003, then three with Bama, uh, 09, 11, and 2012. Um, so if he ties Bear Bryant. For that, to me, that to me that speaks volumes because um, Bear Bryant's he had back to back twice. Um, Nick Saban won't have that right now, obviously, but Nick Saban has built a dynasty in Alabama, and you know when Nick Saban is the head coach of any college football team, uh, he could go anywhere. I really think and, and make it a dynasty or, or a team that can win games. Um, clearly, a lot of people respect him. He's a name that comes up sometimes, or actually often, of college coaches who should go to the NFL because of his winning ways. Um, I think he's, I think he's on the right things in college football. Um, I think when it comes to player punishment, I don't think I've heard too many things about Alabama players getting in too much trouble um, when they've been in college. Um, you know, because I thought about saying Urban Meyer, but Urban Meyer's track record of his players having issues off the field speaks for itself. And Nick Saban, if he tires the legend, if he tires the legendary Bear Bryant, who coaches at the same school Nick Saban uh, coaches at, 
puts him to me at the top of my list. And next year, he could end up winning probably nine or ten national championships. Um, with the way I don't think he's going to retire for a long time, and I think he could have ten national titles under his belt by the time it's all said and done. Ten would be one impressive number. All right, Amos, you're next up on this. What do you think? Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think he should go down as the best college head coach in of you know the history. And you know, ninety nine and eighteen record. He's got four national championships. I mean, the, the guy's just great. He's produced seventeen first round picks just from Alabama. That's almost that's staggering. Like that that's an amazing number. Now, given and he's he's such a good coach that these recruits that he gets he doesn't recruit them they he doesn't have to talk them into it nick saban you don't pick nick saban nick saban chooses you because he's that good of a coach and he has a system that he runs and he runs effectively and he doesn't stray away from that at least on the defensive side of the ball and i you know they're in it year after year after year you see it in about the mid-season of college they'll lose a game everybody gets worried that offense starts to sputter a little bit and then that defense is right there to pick it up and go He's always got his team ready, always has his team prepared. I mean, the guy's just – he's a, an absolute amazing, fantastic college coach. And if he wins this title, that'll be his fifth. And I think he absolutely deserves to be given down as the best college football head coach ever because if he gets the fifth, he will get a sixth, he will get a seventh. Wow. Everybody thinks Nick Saban's going to be winning championships galore after this year. All right. So this moves on to Rich. Uh, What do you say, Rich? (laughs) So is it my turn? Yes, Rich. I think they all hit on it perfectly there. Uh, No, I think Peter said it. Dear Brian has five. Nick Saban's got four. I think there's only a couple of coaches that have four. But to expand on that a little bit, how many college football dynasties do you see happen in the last 30 years outside? You know, I think Miami had some in the late 80s with uh, the Jimmy Johnson, uh, Erickson, and then uh, Butch Davis's led teams. Then you're talking about Alabama with their little run. Winning national championships are not an easy thing to do. Winning championships, period, are not an easy thing to do. So, yes, if he wins another national championship, it would be hard to disagree with what the guy said of him being the greatest uh, college football coach of all time. All right, and Nash, you're the last one up. Can you bring it home for your team here? I'm hoping that I can, and I have a, a hell of an argument that I believe that should have some level of merit because apparently these guys don't remember a lot of the history that goes into college football. And we all know that Nick Saban is about to reach a milestone with five national championship titles with Alabama. And I am so astounded by his ability to do that. But there is one person who exceeded and preceded Nick Saban in Alabama. Well before Nick Saban, there was this guy who created a dynasty in Alabama during a very difficult time to put together a team. When segregation was at its height, Alabama was right there in the mix of it. And a coach was kind of forced to field sometimes due to the uh, politics that were involved with the administration above him, only white teams. He was not able to field, uh, you know, African-American players. He had to do it with just what he had 
right there. He had to basically split his talent pool down the middle and was still able to win five national championships. Plus, at this point, he has he has not only the most national championships, but he has 323 wins, only behind Bobby Bowden and Joe Paterno. Uh, right now, at this point, Nick Saban, though an astounding career, only has 200. 156. So when it comes to longevity and creating a dynasty, well, Nick Saban had all of that golden road paved for him by this guy named Bear Bryant, and that that still remains the number one coach in college football. Wow, uh, some great answers from everybody on you uh, on what I thought you know was a great question uh, since I'm the one that wrote it. Uh, but Nash brought some great points at there at the end, and that's what's going to get the win. Um, for Sean Connery's cricket bat, and that means, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that the Booming Bum Busters are going to be the Booming Bum Buster Choir uh, right now for us. Shit. <laughs> oh, all right, so all right. I, I believe it's, I'm a little... All right, let's, all right, Rich, you ready? You ready, Rich? How about we, Peter, on, let's... Yeah, on three. One, two, three. I'm a little teapot, short and spout. Here is my handle. Here is my spout. I get a little excited. Something, something, something. Hit me over and pour me out. <laughs> 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 okay, the last of the <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. I have to. I do have to run now. I have a set going in a couple of minutes. I got to. I got to get it rep, ready for and everything. So, thank you so much for it. It's been a real pleasure. Sure. Thank you again. Funny absolutely, time. absolutely. A uh, great show. Thank you, Nash. Uh, great show, guys. Everybody, very prepared. Uh, special thanks to our, our guest, right. our special guest, uh, Nash Carey. Uh, great win, Amos and Nash. Uh, listening tomorrow. We'll be uh, bringing you the playoff preview, uh, you know, for the other wild card games uh, for the free parking show. Uh, and be sure to listen to Nash and Matt coming up next, their show, and then the stretch coming on after that. Uh, you have listened to the free parking show on Jock Journal Radio, and we'll see you tomorrow. Well, there you have it. The boys were at it again. We hope you enjoyed tonight's broadcast. We hope you had a good night and stay right where you are. Another show is coming up. Y'all come back now, you hear? 